Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. As a young rookie police officer named Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Johnny. I had seen my fair share of strange things on the job, but nothing could have prepared me for what I was about to face in that national park. When I got the call about a murder there, I didn't expect it to be anything out of the ordinary. But as I arrived at the scene, it became clear that something was amiss. The victim had been torn apart in a way that no human could have done. I started to piece together the clues and realized that the only logical explanation was that the killer was a Bigfoot type of creature. The corpse had unusual marks and paw prints on it, too big to be an ordinary animal. Also, I had heard stories of Bigfoot sightings in the area, but I had never believed in them until now. As I started to investigate further, I began to see signs of the creature's presence all around me. Large footprints in the mud, broken branches, and disturbed earth. I knew I had to find the creature or allow him to find me. Unintentionally, I found a clue on the corpse that led me to a local cave. There was a certain kind of flower on the corpse, only found on a part of park where there is a cave. I didn't tell anyone about my discovery. I decided to venture alone there, so I went there. I made my way inside and found nothing. Strange. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. 
Suddenly, a massive figure loomed out of the darkness. It was a Bigfoot, and it was angry. The creature tackled me, and I tried to fought back as best I could. But it was no use. The Bigfoot was too strong and too fast. As I lay on the ground, I realized that I, I might not make it out of this cave alive. I tried to run away, but the creature was too fast. It grabbed me by the arm and lifted me off the ground, its hot breath on my face. I closed my eyes and braced for the end, but it didn't come. Fortunately, the Bigfoot heard something behind him. I didn't, but I was sure he had some superior hearing abilities. It was something far away that interested him more than killing me, I guess. He put me down and vanished into the woods. I was shaken and confused. I returned to a park ranger station, tried to explain to people there what happened. They mocked me. They said that Bear attacked a young camper and that they wrote it off as an accident. I tried to persuade them that that wasn't true, but they just said that I smoked some weird shit and that I'll get fired for it. What the F? I was a park ranger at an American national park known for its lush forests and towering mountains. The stillness of the night was only broken by the occasional hoot of an owl and the rustling of leaves and the gentle breeze. I was on patrol in my jeep, scanning the surroundings for any signs of danger or disturbance. As I drove down a remote road, I suddenly saw a light in the distance. I decided to check it out. As I got closer, I realized that the light was moving, almost as if it was alive. I couldn't explain it, but I had a feeling that something was off. I got out of my jeep and approached the source of the light, my hand instinctively reaching for my flashlight. To my shock, what I saw was a ghostly figure, its translucent body glowing eerily in the moonlight. The ghost was dressed in tattered clothes and had a wicked grin on its face. I felt a chill run down my spine as the ghost suddenly burst into a fit of evil laughter. I tried to talk to the ghost to find out what it wanted, but it just disappeared into the woods, leaving me confused and scared. I quickly jumped into my jeep and drove back to the park headquarters, unsure of what had just happened and what the ghost wanted from me. The next morning I couldn't shake off the feeling of unease from the night before. I told my colleagues about the ghost, but they didn't believe me. They thought I was just imagining things, but I knew what I saw. I decided to investigate further and started to gather information about the history of the park. I found out that the park was built on sacred Native American land and that there had been several reports of ghost sightings over the years. Days went by and the ghost continued to haunt me. I would see it at night, always laughing and taunting me. I couldn't sleep or eat, and my colleagues were starting to become worried about my mental state. One night, I finally couldn't take it anymore. I grabbed my flashlight and headed back to the spot where I saw the ghost. I called out to it, demanding to know what it wanted from me. Suddenly, the ghost appeared, its form becoming more solid. It told me that the park was built on sacred land and that it was angry that its resting place had been disturbed. The ghost demanded that I help it put the spirits of its ancestors to rest by performing a sacred ceremony. I knew that I had to do what the ghost asked, and I worked with local Native American leaders to perform the ceremony. After the ceremony was complete, the ghost finally disappeared, and 
I was able to sleep peacefully for the first time in weeks. From that day on, I made sure to respect the land and the spirits that inhabited it, and I never saw the ghost again. But I will never forget that frightening encounter and the lesson it taught me about the importance of respecting the dead and the land they call home. However, my colleagues and I started to notice strange occurrences happening around the park. Trees would shake for no reason, and strange whispers could be heard in the wind. Some of the visitors even reported seeing ghostly apparitions in the woods. We soon realized that the ghost was not the only one who was angry. There were others who had also been disturbed by the park's construction, and they were seeking revenge. One night I received a distress call from one of the camping sites. When I arrived I found that several tents had been destroyed and several people were missing. I searched the surrounding area and eventually stumbled upon a clearing where I saw the ghostly apparitions standing together, holding the missing people captive. I realized that I had to do something to stop them, but I was only one person against many angry spirits. I remembered the ceremony that I performed with the Native American leaders and knew that I had to perform it again, this time with the help of my colleagues. We gathered together and performed the ceremony, calling upon the spirits of the land to restore balance and peace. To our surprise, the ghostly apparitions disappeared, and the missing people were released unharmed. From that day on, the park was at peace, and the spirits that had once haunted it were finally at rest. I learned that sometimes the things that scare us the most can teach us the greatest lessons, and that the land we live on must be respected and honored. I was just an average hiker out for a day hike in the National Park. I heard the legends of the Wendigo, but I never thought I would come face to face with one. It all happened so fast. One moment I was admiring the beauty of the woods, and the next, I was being tackled by a creature unlike any I'd ever seen before. It was tall and thin, with matted fur and glowing eyes. It had elongated fingers that ended in sharp claws. Its mouth was wide and gaping, revealing razor-sharp teeth. The creature dragged me deeper into the woods, away from the trail. I struggled and fought, but it was no use. It was too strong. It pinned me to the ground and began to feast on my flesh. I remember thinking that this was it. This was the end. And then everything went black. When I woke up, I was in the ranger station. Park Ranger Harold was sitting next to me. He was the one who had found my body and brought me back to civilization. You're lucky to be alive, he said. I found you just in time, but I'm afraid the creature got away. I felt a surge of fear and anger. How could this have happened? How could a creature like that be roaming free in the National Park? Harold must have sensed my emotions because he quickly added, Don't worry, we'll take care of it. I've already reported the incident to my supervisor, and he's sending out a team to track and capture the creature. But as it turns out, the supervisor had different plans. He didn't want to call the police, because he feared that if the public found out about the creature, the national park would be closed down. So instead, he tasked Harold with finding and killing the creature himself. Harold was reluctant to accept the mission, but he knew he had no choice. He was the only one with experience tracking the creature, and he couldn't let anyone else get hurt. 
So he went into the woods, armed with only a rifle and a determination to take down the monster. It was a cold and dark night when Harold finally caught sight of the creature. He raised his rifle, took aim, and fired. But the creature was fast and agile. It dodged the bullet and tackled Harold. The next morning, another ranger went to investigate and only found Harold's radio dispatcher. They searched for him, but they never found his body. It's been days since Harold went missing, and the creature still roams free. I can't help but think that I was the one who brought this curse upon us all. If I had only stayed on the trail, if I had only ignored the legends, Harold would still be alive. But now it's too late. The creature is out there, and it's hungry. I can only hope that the next person who crosses its path is luckier than I was. In 2012, I was driving through southern Utah with a friend, completely empty desert land surrounded by mountains, and both of us saw something, or several somethings, actually. They were running alongside the car, but we were faster at 80-ish miles per hour and left them behind. They were incredibly tall. My friend remembers them being tan-colored, but I thought they were more white, definitely not the color of any animal I know in the area. And by tall, I mean more than twice as tall as the car, or more so eight-plus feet. They were running on all fours right next to the road. Their legs were very thin and tall, and I remember seeing large ears on the top of the head like a bunny, but my friend doesn't remember that. I also think, since they reminded me so much of the rideable creatures in the dark crystal, my brain might have added the ears, but those are the closest comparisons I have to what I think we saw. Google dark crystal landstriders if you want a comparison. We both saw them and freaked out to the point of us both screaming and we never knew what we had seen. Is there a known cryptid that looks like this or lives in this area? My story starts like this. I'm from the Navajo Nation Indian Reservation, in a small place located 30 south of Page, Arizona known as Bitter Springs. This event happened in March 2022 in the early hours of the morning at 2.45 a.m. When I was coming back from work in Las Vegas, I work in Las Vegas Monday through Thursday, and my route is usually traveling through Las Vegas to Canab, then to back to Page, Arizona. I got into the town of Page, Arizona, coming back from Vegas around 3 a.m., stopped at a gas station to fuel up and buy a snack to keep me awake. After that, I left the gas station, and I started traveling south towards Bitter Springs on Highway 89 that goes towards Flagstaff. I was the only vehicle traveling on that dark and secluded road. I have to admit that I was thinking about skinwalkers and a story that my grandma used to say when we were younger kids at her house. She used to say that she had seen a Yanoglushi or a skinwalker. Once before that, it followed her back to her house on the same route. I was going and kept bothering her when she tried to sleep. Just then, the rain began to start falling, and the clouds started to cover the bright moon above. As I approached a steep hill three miles before Bitter Springs, a vehicle passed me as it was making its way up the Bitter Springs Canyon on coming. 
but as that vehicle passed me in the oncoming lane, I could just remember the light was so bright as if the driver forgot to dime his light as he approached me. Just as he passed, I seen a creature which looked like a man wearing a skin with a black and white face, with glowing eyes like a deer. The object couldn't have been a anything or creature of this world. As he crossed the road, I could remember that the creature looked right at me in my eyes. The creature's eye had made contact with me and gave a weird vibe. As he crossed the road, it then jumped over a fence on the side of the road and traveled quickly into the darkness. I then thought to myself, did I just see what I thought I had seen? I then proceeded in terror and hauled as going down the Bitter Springs Canyon. I never in my life traveled down the canyon at 85 miles per hour, especially when it was raining. As soon as I got down the canyon, I turned off at the Bitter Springs housing and seen the creature again by the cattle guard. As I approached it, it took off to the south into the darkness. I then thought to myself, how the hell did that creature get to the turnoff before I did? Right then I knew this thing or creature was for sure a skinwalker following me. As I got to my driveway at my house, which was 1,000 feet from the turnoff, I ran inside and locked the door. About five minutes I heard banging at my window and heard a coyote howling, but the howling was off. It also had an awful smell like a dead rotten animal. Later, when the sun came up, I checked the surroundings of my house and seen coyote tracks around my house, which tracked back to the south. Hello, old Texas scare. I encountered something strange on my job. I work on an oil rig. My job is to run an excavator and mix off the mud that comes out of the ground and do stuff that needs big machine. Because of the locations of these rigs, I have to drive to pretty remote places in the wilderness of Canada. Anyhow, one of the light towers at the edge of the lease went out. I went over and in the forest I could see these weird like fireflies type of things, but like the size of a basketball. But they weren't bright, like they weren't lighting things up around them. Then I started feeling super uneasy. Then in between some trees I could see this big ass silhouette of a person with red glowing eyes. I ran back into the machine just to see it walking away. When I was in it I ended up telling the crew, I'm not the only one who's seen it. Like half of them have seen it and two of them have had it smile at them, WTF is this thing. Also, I'm so sorry for the punctuation. I saw the rake or something that I call the rake. I can't tell you what it was. I was driving late at night in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. I live 30 miles south of Alamosa, Colorado. I was driving on a back road with my buddy taking him home near my house. It was about 12 a.m. Out of nowhere, this thing appeared in the headlights in the middle of the road. It was crouching over some roadkill. It was humanoid. It was pale. It looked like it had no ears. It looked like a wendigo from until dawn looked like it was seven feet tall. Abnormally long arms. No ears. No nose and some nasty teeth. It wasn't skinny, but its skin was tight with ribs visible and like long claws on the end of its hands. I was barely able to dodge it with my truck as I was driving considerably fast. As I swerved around it, it seemed like time slowed down. 
and it looked up from the roadkill it was eating and stared at me as I passed. Its eyes were yellow. I immediately braked and yell at my friend, what the F did you see that? His eyes were wide with fear, and he, he nods at me. I throw the truck in reverse, but when I approach the roadkill, it was gone, and he claims to have seen it too. So I know I'm not crazy. When I was a kid, I read a lot of stories about the rake. I know the rake isn't real, so maybe they invented a creature that already existed. Maybe it's a cave creature like in The Descent. If you have any questions, please ask. I've been doing a lot of research. I want to find out what this is. I've been obsessed with him. I need answers. I won't stop looking for him. I was squirrel hunting on public hunting property in northwest Indiana, DNR, about an hour from my house. It is my habit to start my hunting early in the morning. I had never felt any pressure while hunting in this area or since the incident, so I thought nothing of hunting this day. It was fairly quiet except for the twittering of the occasional bird while I'd been there. It was after 11 a.m. when I decided to take a little break and have a snack from my pack, so I took a seat along the trail. As I sat there, a voice came into my thoughts that said behind you, you preached to listen to your inner voice and trust it. I did. I turned around to look behind me. As soon as I got turned around, I saw an enormous being about nine feet tall and 1,000 pounds with long flowing reddish-brown hair all over his body that resembled an orangutan in color. I only saw it for one or two seconds because that is how long it took for it to stride across the trail opening. I got the impression that it didn't know or didn't care that I was there since it didn't look my way. I was about 120 yards away, just sitting on the side of the trail. I suddenly wanted to get the hell out of there, realizing that I was no longer the apex predator in those woods. The 22 semi-auto rifle I had would have done nothing more than piss off the creature and offered no more protection than a sharp, pointy stick. I head back to my car, looking over my shoulder, the entire time wondering if I was going to end up as a statistic. But I was not going to let this thing destroy my love for the woods. It took me a while, but I did make it back to those same woods. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I now say at the very beginning of my hunts that I am only there to harvest a few squirrels and to enjoy the woods. I'm not there looking for them. I ask that they not scare me while I'm there. So far, that has been working. Does this offer credence to mind speak? I don't know. Did the Sasquatch let me know it was there? Wanting me to see it? I don't know. But that is what I am leaning toward. This event took place over a year ago, but I hadn't really thought to post about it until now. I don't want to dox myself, but I live in Maryland and I was with my now ex-girlfriend at her house. It was a rural area surrounded by woods in all directions. It was night and we were going to visit her grandparents' house a short drive away. We got into her car and while she was fiddling with her phone and the aux cord, I saw something in the brush illuminated by the headlights. It was tall, pale gray, thin, with a gaunt face and stretched limbs. I don't think it stood to the standard eight feet of a crawler, but my lack of depth perception makes it hard to accurately perceive distance and height. All it did was watch, its seemingly hollow eyes fixed to me. It was gone before I could point it out to my girlfriend, and I didn't have the bravery or stupidity to investigate. I wish I had concrete evidence of what I saw, but all I have is my word and a terrifying memory. I work in a pub. It's about two miles away in the next village. I usually finish work late, 1, 2 a.m., and I have to cycle home. The only route is a small road that goes through somewhat large woods. There's a one-mile stretch that has absolutely no street lights. It's pitch black. As I was cycling through the woods, I start hearing this screeching sound, similar to a small animal dying. It scared the shit out of me, so I started pedaling fast. I continued to hear it, and it seemed as it was progressing towards me. I use my phone's camera light to navigate, although it isn't impossible to see without it. I point my phone behind me and I swear I caught sight of some humanoid creature on all fours running at me. Call it mind games, but this was pretty vivid. I continue to cycle as fast as I can. I've been cycling long distances from a young age. I'd like to say I'm quite fast, yet I continue to hear the screeching and the light padding of the footsteps of whatever is chasing me. I try to turn my phone light off and... After a few seconds, I managed to do so. The padding becomes quieter, and I hear one last screech from whatever it was. I've never been so scared in all my life. Little background, I'm agnostic and pretty skeptical. I don't believe in really anything paranormal. But I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, and the time of this story was during the late 80s, early 90s, mid-Satanic Panic era. There was a lot of circulated rumors about this or that being demonic, and you had to be careful about what you brought into your house lest you invite demons into your home. So I guess they're like vampires or bedbugs. Also, lots of urban legend stories. 
a lot of them involving Smurfs like Smurf wallpaper stomping newborns to death in their sleep and the like. Important to understand is that Jews don't believe in ghosts or aliens or anything else, but rather than discount the stories themselves altogether, they merely blame them on bored, vindictive demons messing with us because they've been banished to Earth. As they are fallen angels, oh, an interesting side note, apparently this eviction from heaven only happened in 1914. Not sure why God waited so long. Maybe it's like renter's protection, and he needed to give them tons of notice and a free month's rent or something, but I digress. So yeah, basically, if there was a J.W. Scooby-Doo cartoon, every ending would be the same. Now let's see who's really behind this. And they'd remove the rubber alien mask, the glowing ghost sheet, the dinosaur fossil. I knew it, just a regular old demon. Anyway, around nine, ten years old, I start being left home alone. Big family, so didn't happen much. But when it did, I started noticing things from the corner of my eye, around the edges of darkened corners. Only a couple of times did I notice a discernible shape, and it looked like this stuffed toy someone in the house had recently gotten. Black-furred, big-nosed, kinda goofy, yet terrifying in the right context. I guess think Five Nights at Freddy's style. Sometimes I'd get so freaked out I'd bolt out of the house with barely a jacket or shoes on and sit outside my house in the winter. I can't remember what excuse I gave when my family came home and found me shivering on the stoop, but I didn't tell them the truth. I even started to join my mom on painfully boring errands. Kids nowadays will likely fail to understand what hours of errands at the hair salon, dry cleaners, the bank or Fanny's Fabrics is like without cell phones, or Nintendo Switches. At best we had tiger handheld games, which were typically less fun than simply staring at your hands. But I endured it all rather than be left alone with the demons of zone. In retrospect, all of this is easily dismissed. Young mind crammed full of the idea that the world is teeming with demons out to get him, is left alone for the first time in his life, and his mind conjures demons out of flickering shadows. But it's what comes next I can never hand wave away quite so easily. I'm about elevenish, I think, and I lose one of my last baby teeth. Maybe my last one I don't remember, but it's a molar. JWs famously don't celebrate anything but there is few things that weren't forbidden. I just don't remember if we did the tooth fairy thing. I mean, uh, no, there was no pretense of a fairy, just my mom taking my tooth and giving me a dollar. But I know I didn't get a dollar for this last one. Maybe it was too late in the game, being the last dish tooth and being the youngest of eight kids. The kid tooth market was now incredibly saturated. She probably had a coffee can full. Technically, she might have even qualified as an ivory dealer. So I go to bed that night, and I have an oddly specific memory of putting my tooth on my bedside table on the metal base of my lamp. I wake up sometime during the night, and it's full, deep, silent, scary night. Not my parents are still awake, and I can hear them watching MASH in the living room night. It's one of those half-awakes where your dreams are still a vivid reality and you can effortlessly step back into them. I'm instantly aware of a large, bluish-white glowing presence at the end of my bed. 
it's an angel with it's back to me focused on something else which is odd in and of itself as the only thing in that part of my realm of interest was my dick tracy action figures so hopefully he was bringing me the blank figure because i couldn't find that shit anywhere i don't remember if i could move but i didn't i was scared but in an oddly detached non-panicky sort of way he became aware of me and looked back and not in a malevolent way but not kindly either it was more of a cold slightly sneering indifference then i just fell back asleep which was obviously odd had it been someone innocuous like my mom in my room at 3 a.m i doubt i'd have drifted back off so quickly let alone a potentially fallen angel rooting through my collectibles i loved those dick tracy toys and i was very paranoid and protective about losing the tommy guns on those things it happened to a jw pal of mine his mom took them all their weapons and he was left with a bunch of squat lego grip handed suited old men with stupid hats and who wants to play with that but i digress again then i just awoke in the morning but i didn't immediately remember the previous night's visitor i woke just like any other morning sat up but then paused during my crooked eye stretching as my rested on my molar still on the lamp base but it had been expertly cut in half it was perfectly smooth like it'd been done with a laser and the other half was gone i didn't immediately suspect my mother firstly i doubted she had access to that level of technology and second if it was her then where was my 50 cents only then did i recall the previous night's events and as you can imagine it shook me up i mean there was the spooky paranormal aspects that would scare anyone but atop all it was the sheer randomness of it nothing added up to anything it was just an absolute casserole of nonsense now had the demon angel burnt a cockeyed 666 on my wall and left a steaming cauldron stuffed with smurf merchandise then okay sure i'd have been terrified but at least it would have been on brand and fallen neatly into place with everything else i knew but what the if did he want with half my tooth i snatched up my half tooth and went to find my mother not really expecting answers but at least wanting someone else to acknowledge and share in this messed up situation when i found her i didn't editorialize or bring up any of the angel business just handed it over with a hey look what happened to my tooth when i was asleep she examined it closely but far too briefly and handed it back with something like huh that's kind of weird hey where's your father tell him breakfast is ready her lack of astonishment felt suspect i went looking for my dad with the inner monologue of a tv detective no i don't think she did it but she knows more than she's telling us i didn't even bring it up to my dad as my relationship with him was fraught and it felt unwise to do so more than likely i'd have been blamed for it in some way and i'd be interrogated about my cola consumption so i sat on this info i think i tried to bring it up casually with my mom again later but again got nothing a week or so later it was missing off my dresser i thought i maybe knocked it off or something and it'd show up eventually but it never did shortly after this incident we moved to a new house and i never saw the flickering shadows demons again i never had any more issues with being left alone in the house 
As a skeptical adult looking back, I can say, look, I turned 12. I got over my fear of being home alone. And maybe I conjured the angel memory from nothing after that tooth incident. But that doesn't explain the tooth, and I remember the tooth. I could feel myself grasping for plausible scenarios. Maybe there's some medical test that requires an inner tooth test, so my parents took it. But then why not just tell me? Why return the other half? It's the whole issue with this incident. As even if you accept the existence of angels, demons, ghosts, or the chupacabra, it doesn't really explain anything meaningful. So yeah, that's it. I don't think about it often, but when I do, it still bothers me. So at the end of all of this, I just hope someone or something is waiting for me, and they have with them half my tooth and some goddamn answers. When I was younger, I used to go to a place called Desolation Wilderness near Camino, California. It was the perfect place for camping and fishing, realizing that it had been a few years since my last trip. I talked to a friend of mine to go camping and fishing. We managed to talk another friend into coming with us, and then we were off. We arrived around 1 p.m. and decided to hike upstream from a place called Wright's Lake, and then when we found a good spot, we would set up camp. After walking for a couple hours, a ranger found us hiking and told us that we actually weren't even technically in desolation wilderness yet, and that we needed to keep hiking for a bit longer. I started tearing down the camp, but I guess the other two guys were not as enthusiastic about the trip as I was. They left for Placerville to find a hotel room. When they left, I hiked up a bit farther, but I started to worry about the amount of time I had to find a place and set up my camp before dark. As I hiked, I tried to remember the ranger's instructions, but I ended up getting lost. Finally, I found a granite cliff with a stream that had a beautiful pool of water and was right on the tree line. I thought it was perfect, so I set up camp and started fishing. When the sun had set and the sky was dark, I decided to go to sleep. Cozy in my sleeping bag, I started to drift off, but then I heard something growl outside my tent. I grabbed the .45 compact handgun from its case and looked down through the screen on the front of the tent. From where I was standing, I could only see a dark figure that looked around four and a half feet tall standing near the trees. Thinking that it was a bear, I started yelling, hoping that I would scare it away. It didn't move. I then fired a shot at a dead tree nearby. That startled it and it ran back into the forest but to my surprise, it didn't go very far. I climbed back into my tent. Then I heard crashing sounds. It was the sound of rocks falling off the cliff and hitting the pool below and the rocks around it. This was unnerving. I climbed out of my tent a few times, but I couldn't see anything, even though the moon was bright and the white granite rocks reflected its paleness. Crashing rocks hit every few minutes until around two in the morning. Then it stopped but I heard something rustling just outside my tent. I yelled at it and tried to scare it off, but instead of scaring it, I heard a very deep growling sound in return. At this point, I didn't want to wait until it got too close, so I got out of my tent and looked around. Nothing. I decided to shoot the tree again to see if the creature would react, then run back into the forest again, just like the first time, but it stopped again. As I listened to the sounds of his moving, I realized that it was running on two feet. 
This was not a bear. I didn't want to go back into my tent. I grabbed my sleeping bag and moved over to the middle of the big slab of white granite nearby. I felt safer and knew the forest was further away from me, but I could still hear the noises of rocks crashing. I prayed the sun would come up soon. At about 4.30 in the morning, I was awoken from my light sleep. I looked back at the trees but didn't see anything. So I looked back over at my tent. There it was standing at the side of my tent. I panicked and picked up my gun and shot the side of the creature. But it didn't flinch. Then with giant steps it walked toward me. I shot at it. I wasn't sure if a point forty-five would even stop such a beast. But it was my only hope. After the second shot rang out, it was off into the trees. Shaking like a leaf, I sat down, clutching my gun. I waited for hours until the light started to appear in the sky. I broke camp and headed back down to Wright's Lake. That was also the last time I saw the creature. That was also the last time I went to the desolation wilderness, and I will never go back. To give some background, my family owns a trailer home which sits on a cliff overlooking Lake Kootenai in the south of the Canadian province of British Columbia. This trailer was used as a sort of a summer getaway destination, as my parents and I visit for about a week or more each summer. The trailer itself is quite old. It was turned into a home by the previous owners in the 70s. But it's despite its age, it's still a very enjoyable place to experience the warmest months. The trailer sits in the middle of a cedar pine forest with a small clearing on the side facing away from the water to park vehicles as well as a driveway connecting to the road which is about 110 feet away. The nearest town is roughly a 15 minute drive and there are no neighbors. I sleep at the opposite end of the trailer which I call the cabin as there is an additional dining room and porch built onto the trailer with a bed at the front end and mine at the very back. There are two windows next to where I sleep, with one facing parallel to the lake and the other towards the previously mentioned parking area. Due to the positioning of our cabin in a mountain valley around 9 p.m. in the summer, it gets very dark very quickly. Since we sometimes are outside after this time, there's a bright lamp mounted on the front end of the trailer which completely illuminates the porch area, facing the lake and partially lights the parking area, creating an orange glow that can get spooky, especially when raining. I hope the backstory wasn't too long, but it might help you get a sense of the surroundings. Around 11 p.m. one night, I was still awake, sitting in bed and reading. I keep blinds of the window facing away from the lake, open as to provide a little light for reading without having to turn on any inside lamps. The light momentarily gets dimmer, so I glance outside. What I saw was a large, almost glowing white creature which was moving through the semi-lit area, casting a shadow over my window. It had very long and spindly limbs, and I could see contours that looked like emaciated ribs on its side. It was hard to estimate a height because it was moving bent over in what I can only describe as a crawl. Just looking at it instilled so much fear that I couldn't look away, despite how much I wanted to. The creature moved at a fast walking pace from the front of the cabin and into the tree line. At the time, I wanted to believe that it was some form of very sick, hairless bear as we frequently saw bears in the area. Looking back, the limbs were just too long to be a bear and too skinny. 
Also, I would think a bear with mange would still have some hair or discolored skin, but this creature didn't. It appeared entirely to be a white color, and the light from the lamp reflected off its side, making it glow a little. I wish I could provide any form of evidence that what I saw really happened, but ultimately it's the reader's choice whether to believe me or not. When I have a moment, I'll draw a diagram to detail its movement in relation from where I was looking from.